you guys doing this morning? Hey, listen, how many of you are expecting something from God today? Listen, if there is no expectation, then we can't expect to receive anything. And I believe that when we come with open hearts, when we come with a mindset that sets aside what we think, I'm not saying that you don't think, but we set aside our thoughts and our ways and we open our hearts and minds to the word of God. I believe that powerful things happen. So I believe that God has something specific to say to you. Amen? Amen. If you believe that, say this with us. I have ears to hear. I have a heart to receive and understand the truth of God's word. And I have eyes that perceive what God has for me this day. Come on now, if you believe that. Man, I am excited. I, look, I am a product of God's word. I'm no better than anyone. I don't claim to be, but I will tell you this, that God's word has transformed my life. And God's word is transforming the lives of people in amazing ways here at Church at the Bridge and in everything that we do. So last week, we started a brand new series entitled Hindsight 2020. Hindsight 2020. You know, they say that hindsight is always 2020. But if you just go by what happened in this past year, it might actually leave you a little discouraged. It might actually leave you believing that, man, life is horrible, that things are bad. But I believe that in the midst of 2020 and everything that we've seen, and not just 2020, but in everything in our past, that there is clarity that God brings us. And thus, in this series, what we're doing is we're looking to God's word as a means to examine what God has to say to us about where we've been, but about where he wants to take us. Because how many of you know that God wants you and I to look forward and live forward? Amen? Amen? And so look, as we all know, 2020 has been... A year that's presented challenges, to say the least, right? And last week we learned that there is an upside to downtimes at all times. There is an upside to downtimes at all times. And the reason why there is an upside to downtimes is because in every challenge, according to the scriptures, we have a distinct opportunity to exercise our faith. Now, for some of us, the exercising of our faith has proven harder than we'd like. Can we be honest, right? You ever been there where it feels like your faith is just, it's just hard to stand by faith, right? It's a struggle, right? It feels like you're fighting against all these things, right? So much so that when it comes to standing in your faith in God, living according to your faith without compromise and trusting by faith that God's word will prove true and that it is true, that it's actually felt more like a fight than a possibility for you to exercise anything. And today I have good news for you if you've been there. Today I have good news for you if you find yourself struggling in the midst of your faith. Today I have good news for you if you've faced some challenges or you're in the middle of some stuff and you're hoping and you're putting your faith in God. I've got good news for you. Everybody, anybody need some good news? Look, here's some good news for you. The good news is this. That if standing by your faith and living according to your faith and trusting God's word by faith has felt like a fight to you in this past year or ever, it's because it is. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, faith is a fight. I'm going to say that again. Faith is a fight. Look, in a year like the one we've just had and various other experiences that we, we encounter in life, 
Uh, but in this year, it's, it's a year that's been consumed by challenges, by the prevailing opinions of people, by conflicting desires and multiple responsibilities, by the pull of life's many directions and the obstacles that we've endured as the body of Christ even. It's important to understand in the midst of all this that it takes something to live by faith and to depend on God. Listen closely. It takes a commitment to fight for your faith, to fight with your faith, not against your faith, but employing your faith, and to fight to stay in faith. Listen, if you've been standing in faith in the face of life and have felt it's hard, hold on. Somebody needs to hear this. Don't give up. Somebody else needs to hear this. Keep the faith. You're in a fight that's worth fighting. <laughs> Listen to the scriptures in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 11. It says, but you, O man of God, somebody say, that's me. Now, I know some of you ladies are going, that says man of God. No, that just means human beings, right? So he's talking to you. He's talking to me. He says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Now, it's important to understand what he's talking about there. When it talks about righteousness, it's not just talking about doing the right thing. It's living out of your, your new identity in Christ, which is the righteousness of God, right? When it talks about, um, when it talks about pursuing uh, that, all that is godly, it simply means reflecting God's nature, doing it God's way. When it talks about living by faith, it's about approaching things with complete belief and trust in his promises. When it talks about love, the love, the word love there speaks of goodwill towards others. In other words, being, acting in love, living in love towards everyone around you. When it talks about patience, it's talking about endurance. And when it talks about gentleness, it's talking about humility. In other words, a right estimate of yourself in light of whatever you're facing but listen closely so the scripture tells us that we are to pursue these things in life but watch what it also tells us that it takes to pursue them it says fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life you know what it means when it says lay hold it's saying take territory it's saying lay hold on that which is eternal. In other words, don't be moved by the temporal. You're not called to the temporal. You're called to the eternal. And he says, so fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things. Now listen to our great example. And before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. In other words, he held to what he believed, to what he knew to be the truth. Watch this, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless unto our Lord Jesus Christ's appearance. So what the scripture is literally telling us here is that we are to pursue greater things with this faith. But I want you to see something. That in this pursuit of all that is righteous, in all that is godly, in all that pertains to faith and love and patience, which is endurance and gentleness, in the pursuit of all this, it tells us that we are to fight by faith. I'm going to tell you why that's important. 
Because none of this happens by osmosis. This stuff just doesn't happen. Right? This happens when you choose to fight for it. Listen, if you are struggling, if you find yourself dissatisfied in this walk with God, if you find yourself longing for what the scriptures are talking about here, could it be that maybe you haven't been fighting by faith? You've been fighting, but has it been by faith? See, this is important for us to consider because the truth is that most fights are looked upon as bad, right? We don't want to fight, right? Some of us, here's your philosophy. I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. I love Jesus. I'm not into the whole fighting thing. I'm into peace. Can I tell you that the scripture says that the violent take it by force, the kingdom of God? Now, it's not saying that we get into an uproar and we start rioting and stuff. What it's talking about is an attitude of the heart. And what I want you to see is that this life in the kingdom of God and everything that God has for you doesn't happen by way of passivity. It happens by an active and an activated faith. And so you must approach this pursuit of what God promises and the life that he's stored up for you and I and for all mankind by fighting this good fight of faith. Which leads me to an opening point for us to consider. That you can choose to fight by faith. But listen, it's not a choice. You can choose to fight by faith. But it's not a choice. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Look at verse 13 again. It says, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Watch this. That you keep this commandment without spot, blameless unto our Lord Jesus Christ's appearance. I want you to see that while you and I have the choice to live by faith, there's only one way for faith. And whether you choose it or not, doesn't negate what God has given you the ability to do with faith. See, God doesn't give us the option to overcome challenges and to pursue the life he's promised us by any other means but faith. So you might not choose it. You may choose it. But the truth is that it's really not a choice. Because God has called us to this. I want you to see something. That fighting by faith is a command. I'm going to say that again. Fighting by faith is a command. Notice that he goes on to tell us that we're to pursue all that is concerning righteousness and godliness and, and, and all these other great things, right? Uh, faith and love and patience, which is endurance and gentleness. But then he tells us fight by faith and then he goes on to tell us and so keep this commandment without spot blameless until the day that Jesus returns. See, fighting by faith is not an option. It's the only way that we overcome. The only way. And so when you fight for your faith, with your faith, to stay in faith, you need to see something. 
that the reason why this is a command, when God gives you a command, he doesn't just command you to do something, he also gives the command for the results for you to reap them. And here's what we need to consider here, that when you fight for your faith, with your faith, and to stay in faith, God has already commanded and given the decree that you win. Amen. You win. You know, the reason why some of us aren't experiencing victory is because we're not fighting by faith. I, I, I want you to consider something from the Bible. We're going to look at a story here. I, I reviewed over 52 different battles in the Bible. I took a lot longer in the study for this message a couple of weeks back and even into this week. Um, I reviewed 52 different battles in the Bible as a means to bring this point to greater light. And as much as I wanted to give you a different account, I could not get away from David's battle with Goliath. I, you know, in 1 Samuel 17, we have the biblical account of the moment when David squared off with a giant named Goliath. Now, the people of Israel were on the battle lines that were drawn in a place called Soko. But here's the thing. While they were on the battle lines, while they were armed for war, while they were there with the intent of engaging in war, there was no battle taking place. You know why? Because there was no faith to fight with. See, these were people that were inheritors of the promise of God. These were people that had seen God move mightily on their behalf. These were people that knew that their God was the one and true living God, and he still is. These were people that had the heritage and, and, and the history that God had parted the Red Sea for them. These were people that God had done the miraculous for them, that God fought for them on the battlefields. These were people that knew God. And knew what it was to see his hand, not just in battle, but in blessing and in every area of their lives. And they're on the battlefield. And there's no battle going on. Because there's no faith to fight it. Hmm. Listen, when your faith is lacking in operation, there is no battle. Listen closely. There is only defeat. I'm going to say that again. When your faith is lacking in operation, there is no battle. There's no battle. You know why? Because you're only walking in defeat. We are not called to be a people that walk in defeat. We are not a people that are called to succumb to the circumstances and the challenges and the opposition that comes our way. We are not people that are called to succumb and to crumble in the face of all that life throws at us. We are people that are called more than conquerors. And the way that you overcome and you conquer more than just the average conqueror is when you begin to operate only by faith. Hmm. Listen, the armies of Israel and the current king, this guy Saul, when David gets to this, to this scene, they're cowering in fear in the face of Goliath. And this guy would come out daily to the battlefront, to the battle lines, and he would taunt them. And he would challenge them and he would say, is there not a man in all the armies of Israel? Just one man. In other words, he's emasculating them. He's telling them, you're not even men. 
He says, is there not one man that, can, that would come out and fight me? You don't even have to fight the whole, the whole army. Just fight me, and if you defeat me, we'll be your slaves. But if I defeat you, then we'll take over you guys. And so day in and day out, this guy Goliath would step out and taunt them and mock them and, 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 and deface their faith and, and, and decry their, their, our God and all that. And so this guy would come out, and David shows up in the middle of this, and when David arrives, what he sees is these men that are seasoned in war and know the God of Israel, our God, and they're in fear. And so as David sees this, right, and he hears these taunts, you got to keep in mind that David's not even there to fight. He's not there to fight. David was sent there by his dad to bring food to his brothers who were in the army and to drop off some food for their commanders as well. Now, David's not even there to fight, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't ready for the fight. He was ready. He was ready. David was looking at the same man that Israel's seasoned warriors looked at day in and day out. He was listening to the same man. But David did not see nor hear as they saw or heard. See, they saw and heard uh, according to the impossible problem before them. But David saw and heard according to the impossibility of his own defeat. David could not accept that he could lose. Why? Listen, because David, David knew God. David knew the one that was for him. And so as a result, David makes it known on this day that he would go out into the battle to defeat this giant. And even when the king gets wind of this and tries to give him his armor and his sword and his shield and all that, David says, no, it doesn't fit. I don't know how to use this stuff. David chose instead to enter into battle with sticks and stones, but it was with more than sticks and stones that he entered this battle. David entered the fight with faith and he won by faith so I want us to see what the scriptures tell us as he's entering into battle I want you to hear David's heart and I want us to to, to learn some things from this in first Samuel chapter 17 verse 40 it starts off by saying that David took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand And he drew near to the Philistine. And so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth. He was ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. In other words, you come to me fully equipped with your weapons. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. 
And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." And so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Uh -oh. and, and then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. So get this. There's no denying that David had a great victory in battle this day. But get this, it did not come by sheer will. It did not come by sheer skill. It did not come by sheer might. David won by faith. Listen to his words in, uh, once again, in verse 45, David says, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. Watch this, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. In verse 46, he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. In verse 47, he says, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Listen closely. David was the last one that anyone would have chosen to fight this giant. If you study the story, nobody thought he could do it. But that didn't matter because David was chosen by God. And let me tell you how that relates to your life and mine. You and I must remember that in the face of every battle, you are God's choice to win. That needs to sink into your heart. You are God's choice to win. You are God's choice. You are God's choice to win. The thing is, do you believe that in your life? Do you believe that in the face of challenges? See, you may be facing some giants in your life at this moment. You may find it hard to believe that you can overtake them. But you are no different than David because you have what you need to win. Listen, you have faith in a present God. You have faith in his promise over you. You have faith in his strength and ability. You have faith in his word that has been deposited into you. You have faith in his healing provided unto you. You have faith in, in, in his power for your weaknesses. You have faith in his resurrection that reminds you that you have been raised for such a time as this. You have faith faith and you have what you need to win don't take my word for it listen to the word of God first John chapter 5 verse 4 says this for everyone 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 who has been born of God overcomes the world notice this 
The fight is fixed. You've already overcome. The fight is fixed. Every battle you face is fixed. So why fear, child of God? So why cower, child of God? So why buy into the lies that people uh, uh, throw against you, child of God? Why are you afraid of what they are saying to you about how it will turn out for you, child of God? The fight is fixed. You've already overcome. And watch this. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Man. You know, there's no victory without a fight. I'm going to say that again. There is no victory without a fight. In this life, you have God's guarantee that you have what it takes to overcome. You have faith in Christ that he has already gone before you and provided you the victory. But you must take hold of it by a faith in God that compels you to face every battle in faith, knowing that you will win. I pray that you're hearing the word of God today. I want to leave you with a, couple, with a couple of things for the last couple of moments that I have here. And the first thing that I want to share with you is that opposition should be no surprise. Opposition should be no surprise. You're trying to Rear your family in the ways of the Lord. Dad, let me tell you something. They will fight you, but you have to be a greater fighter. You're going to church. This is what we do. This is what we believe. This is how it is. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Listen closely. Listen, listen. When David had no experience fighting giants up until this point. Now he had fought a bear. He had fought a lion, according to his testimony in the story. But David had never faced a giant of this size. But when David sees this giant, he was not surprised at the size or the strength of Goliath or the problem he posed. Listen, instead, what we see is that David was surprised at the fear that overwhelmed these seasoned men of war. These guys had firsthand experience. He's going, is there no one in Israel that will fight this guy? Is there no one? And so, look, this year, this past year, and I say, and I, and I pray you're hearing what I'm saying. This past year, you may still be in 2020, but 2020 doesn't have to be in your heart. You don't have to be stuck. You can look back on this year. You can look back on the past and rejoice in a faithful God who's given you the ability and brought you to this point that you are still standing. You are still standing. Tell somebody, I'm still standing. Now listen, I pray you believe that. And I pray you appreciate the value of the power of God at work towards you. You are not done. And you are definitely not out. Woo! Listen, this year was full of unknowns, but the truth be told, we knew this day was coming. Do you know that any time that a challenge comes, you should not be surprised? It's part of the process. It doesn't mean that God brings challenges to you, that God places enemies against you. No, no, no. God is a tempter of no man. 
That's not the way that God does it after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But listen closely. In the midst of challenges, you have something greater. And therefore, when a challenge comes, you shouldn't be surprised. According to 1 James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, which we looked at yesterday, and if you didn't listen to last week's sermon, I encourage you to go back, go on our YouTube page, check it out. It'll bless you. But listen, according to 1 James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, what we see is this, that when challenges present themselves, the scripture says that we are to rejoice. It literally means to throw a party. It's not that you're rejoicing at the fact that you got a problem. You're rejoicing at the fact that you have an opportunity to exercise your faith and grow. Listen to Psalm 34, verses 17 through 20. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions. That word afflictions there in the, in the Hebrew means adversities. It means calamities. It also speaks of troubles. And so it says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Listen, the hardships you face in business, in marriage, in friendships, and in all matters relating to life should come as no surprise to you. And let me tell you something. You cannot afford to be taken by surprise. I was watching a, uh, a documentary recently. I forget where it was. One of those streaming channels that we have or something. But it was a documentary on this guy, uh, Hector, Hector Macho Camacho. You remember him? Some of you might remember him. He's a great fighter, man. This guy was quick on his feet. He was like pound for pound the best in his class in, in those days. He took the boxing world by storm. But the, in, in that um, documentary, there's a point where they interview a guy named uh, Vinny, I think it was Vinny Paciencia. And they were matched for a title fight. And everybody expected that Vinny would win this fight. Right? They thought that this would be the toughest fight that Camacho would ever have. And Vinny Paciencia says this. He says, I believed, I thought that I was going to whoop him, basically. That I was going to take him and I was just going to eat him up, basically is what he was saying, right? And the, Bi the Bible, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say anything about this fight. <laughs> Listen, hey, I'm still a preacher, right? <laughs> Listen. The way the documentary goes, the guy says, I thought I was going to beat this guy hands down. He says, the moment I stepped into the ring, and as he's talking in the interview, they begin to show a clip of the fight when it starts. And he says, from the first punch that he hit me with, I knew I have a fight ahead of me. This is going to be a long fight. Now, get what I'm saying to you with this example. He was taken by surprise, and it stunned him for the rest of the fight. He did not fight his fight. He fought afraid. Let me tell you something. You cannot afford to be taken by surprise when challenges come. It should be no surprise, because if you allow yourself to be in a place, in a space in life, where challenges take you by surprise... They will stun you and they will, and they will stunt you. You will not press forward and you will not approach them by faith. That makes sense? Yes. 
the second thing I want to leave you with here today is that you must know your opponent. You must know your opponent. When we think about opposition in life, when we think about challenges, when we think about trials, rarely do we correlate them to an unseen enemy. I'll prove it to you. And look, if the shoe fits, don't wear it, change it. But think about this. For some of us, you don't fight the enemy. You fight your spouse. You don't come against the enemy. You come against the person that offended you and opposes you. Listen, you don't fight by faith. You fight by feelings and emotions. You fight by your desires and what you want and by the flag you've planted. But the truth is this, that all opposition in your life has a spiritual root. Don't take my word for it. Look at the scriptures. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against circumstances. It says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers, watch this, of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The reason why you're still fighting a losing battle in different areas of our lives, the reason why we're fighting a losing battle sometimes in different areas of our lives is because we're trying to fight a spiritual enemy on natural terms. And it won't work. You ever heard that saying, don't never bring a knife to a gunfight? You know what the premise behind that is? You got to come rightly equipped to the battle. And if you're going to approach the challenges and the circumstances of life correctly, then you must step into the ring with the right understanding of who your enemy is so that you can prepare accordingly. You know, the word struggle there, when it talks about our struggle is not against flesh and blood, is the Greek word pali. And I don't have time to get into it. it you, you can check that out in your own time. I encourage you to not take my word on this. Go and study it for yourself. But that Greek word there is, it refers to uh, what the Greeks and the Romans in those days, would, would, they would have contests. And there were three different types of contests they would have. And again, I won't get into that. But the, the intent of all these contests was hand-to-hand -hand combat. And some of them, there were weapons and different things involved. But the intent of these combats, these struggles, was for the purpose of bringing one into submission. And it often, almost always, ended in death. Now, here's the thing. Your fight, your struggle, the one that you are to bring into submission is not a person. And it's not a situation. The scripture says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And therefore, we must approach challenges and opposition and, and condemning and, and, and the condemnation of people and the accusations of others and the circumstances of life. We must approach them with a right understanding of who is the real opponent that we're supposed to be fighting. Mm. Mm -mm. Listen, if you're going to overcome your enemy, you have to know his plan of attack. There is so much that I want to say about this, but I just want to give you one portion of scripture. 
This is kind of foundational and a crux to understanding how the enemy works. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Everybody, almost everyone in the body of Christ goes, Yes, that's my go-to. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Right? We get excited about it. That's awesome. Good. You should be excited. But don't miss the second half of it. It says, And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now watch this. It says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. When the scripture says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, here's what it's saying. This is the manner of life for my children. And what is the manner of life for God's children? Here's what it says. That no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. But watch why it won't prosper. It won't prosper when you understand that you have to condemn the tongue that rises against you. Now, why is that important? Because the enemy operates only by lies. Jesus said that he is the father of lies. And when he speaks, he speaks his native tongue. That's his language. And so when the enemy comes against you, you know, we go, oh, the devil's beating me up. Well, if the devil's beating you up, it's only because you're empowering a lie. is truth. Don't miss that. We put credence and emphasis on lies. We accept them as truth. If I told you, run into that brick wall and you won't get hurt, and you believe me, Shame on you. Shame on you. You see how lies work? It's not the liar that makes you do anything. It's what we do with the lie. And according to this verse, what we see is that we are to condemn every tongue that rises against us. How do you condemn a lie? By rightly applying the truth. And let me be very clear, for some of us, we just think that we just got to blab it and grab it. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I come against you. You accomplished nothing at that point. Let me tell you why. Because you didn't enforce any truth. It's not simply about you quoting some truth. It's about you speaking and responding according to the truth in God's word that is your belief. It's what you believe. It is the truth to you. It is God's truth to you. Listen, your battle is not COVID. Your battle is the lie that tells you that it will take your life. Your battle is not the rejection and the condemnation and the opposition of people. Your battle is the lie that you are alone and unloved and unaccepted and unworthy that you have no value. Your battle is not a lack of resources. Your battle is the lie that God will not provide for you always. Are you getting a picture of what I'm talking about here? Your fight is always spiritual. I'm going to say that again. Your fight is always spiritual. And to win, you have to fight by faith. You have to fight by faith. So how do we do that? I'm going to dig into this real quick, which leads me to my second to last point. I'll wrap this up right now. 
And it's this, that it's that you have to be battle ready. You have to be battle ready. Now, I want you to just consider this in light of Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the, for all the saints. What I want you to see is this, that you are thoroughly equipped if you have faith in Christ. You are thoroughly equipped. You are not without armor. But you can live and you can approach battles as if you are naked. Hmm. Faith gives you the ability to combat and defeat the works of the enemy. You can stand firm in the face of all opposition when you face it with your whole armor. I'm going to quickly just breeze through this. The scripture says that you have a belt of truth. In those days, Roman soldiers girded their robes and gowns to keep them from tripping. And so literally what we're seeing here is that Paul is saying that the truth in God's word allows us to fight without becoming entangled. Those without truth are entangled in their own web of deceit. And listen closely, will fall. Without the truth, you will trip. Without the truth, you will trip in the face of any battle. The scripture says that we have a breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is simply the piece of armor that guards the most vital organs. For Roman soldiers, they would never think to go into battle without it because it provided them a high level of confidence that they were protected. What the breastplate was to the Roman soldier, righteousness is to a Christian. Righteousness protects your most vital organ of all. What am I talking about? When you understand that you are right with God and that you are always right with God because what Jesus did covered it all, it protects your heart. It protects the place of belief. And it'll guard you when lies come that condemn you and try to convince you that you are no longer in relationship with God. That you have messed up and therefore God has pulled away from you. The scripture says that we, are, that we have uh, the preparation uh, of the gospel shoes of peace. This gospel that we believe prepares us for the road ahead of us. Roman soldiers in, show, in those days would wear shoes or sandals that were studded with nails or cleats. The way uh, one historian put it, they said that the reason that Julius Caesar was such a success as a general was because his men wore military shoes that made it possible to cover long distances in short periods of time. These military shoes, which are similar to football cleats today, not only allowed soldiers rapid movement, but also gave them greater stability in hand-to-hand -hand combat. The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, and the hope that is yours and mine in our salvation 
is gives us the peace and the ability to know that no matter what's coming our way, we can still go forward because God's not mad at us and we can overcome in the midst of any challenge we face. The scripture says that we have a shield of faith. The use of the, the, use of the shield is what distinguished the Romans in, in their days amongst any other army of their time. They never went into battle without a shield and it was always be, it, it was always up before they engaged in battle. Listen, Roman soldiers in those days advanced into battle. When they would advance into battle, they would assemble as one. Their shield was their strongest weapon because they would stand side by side and create a wall that covered everything in front of them, everything over them, everything on the side of them, everything behind them. And so they would approach their enemies. And as their enemies were using the greatest weapon that they had, to, at their disposal, which were arrows to try and keep them away, the Roman soldiers were able to advance. Why? Because they maintained their shield and their confidence in it to protect them so that they could advance in battle. Your faith, believer, your faith, believer, is a shield. And that shield is the means by which you overcome every dart, every lie of the enemy. But here's the thing. Huh. You cannot ex expect its full effectiveness if you attempt to stand in faith after you've already been hit by the lies of the enemy. My point with that is this. Your faith is to be on 24-7. We don't walk by faith when it gets hard. We, this is what we do. We walk by faith always. The Bible says that you have a helmet of salvation the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the scripture says. And there can be no victory if your mind is not protected with what God's word says about your sure salvation. And lastly, the scripture says that we have a sword of the spirit. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is a double-edged sword that pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. But the word of God is not only to be spoken against the opposition we face. If you look at Ephesians chapter 6, what you'll see is that it's also meant to be used and deployed in prayer. You might say, man, I struggle to pray. So do I. Can I tell you what's the best way to pray? Pray God's word. Pray God's word. I just simply pray according to God's word. That's why it's so important to become familiar with the Word of God. Because when you know what the Word says, it begins to make way in your heart to such an extent that you, be, you begin to believe the truth. And as you pray in alignment with the truth, what the Scripture says is that you deploy the sword of the Spirit. And the sword is the means by which you cut down the enemy. You have what you need to win. You are battle ready. As we stand here and come to a close, I want to leave you with this final point. In relation to faith, our faith, which is a fight. You know, you got to let God lead into every battle. I'm going to say that again. We have to let God take the lead into every battle. The most surefire way to ensure that you are letting God lead into every battle 
is by living your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to what I'm saying. For some people, letting God lead into battle means that, they, that you are just waiting for God to change your circumstances. Oh, I prayed about it. And so, God, I'm just waiting for you to do your part. But that's not letting God lead at all. God can only lead where you and I are actively willing to follow. Listen, David wasn't just a follower of God when he showed up on the battlefield. You read the Psalms and what you'll see is David's reflections as he took care of sheep. He was devoted to God always. And so when a trial, when an impossible situation showed up, when a giant showed up, when a mountain of a problem showed up, David did not see an impossible situation. As a matter of fact, David says this. He says, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Thus, think about the words of Jesus. If you believe in me, listen, if you believe in me, you can say to that mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And it will be removed. You know what's interesting about that word mountain there? It's also used in ancient terms to describe a problem. Listen closely. Faith is a fight, but it's a fight that you've already won. You must fight by faith. Amen? Man, I believe that today's word is, is, is equipment. I believe that it's a preparation. Listen, if you study the scriptures, you got to understand something. You think we have challenges now? We haven't seen anything yet. And yet we know everything because we know God is faithful. And we know that his word is true. Fight by faith. Fight with your faith. Fight for your faith. You win. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is truth. We believe it. And Lord, today we stand here before you, armed with your word, battle ready. I pray, Lord, that in the hearing of your word today, Lord, there is an equipping that has taken place and that your people are bearing their arms and they are standing and no matter what comes, they continue to stand. Lord, faith might be a fight, but Lord, we win. And it's because we follow after you. And so, Lord, we choose to stand. We choose to trust. We choose to believe. We choose to advance because we trust you. Now, it's possible that there's someone here today. Maybe you're joining us online. And, man, you've been struggling. Maybe you've known God, but you've just kind of just pulled away because it's been a struggle. Good news. Faith is meant to be a fight, but it's a fight that you win. Don't pull back. Advance. Trust God. Hear his voice to you. Maybe you don't believe in God. But man, life is just one story of issue after issue, problem after problem. Maybe you're not overwhelmed with problems, but you're still wondering, when am I finally going to get to that? 
place. My friend, that place, that victory, that change will only come as you learn to live by faith in Christ. If you believe that today and you sense God speaking to your heart, this is resonating with you today, then here's what you need to know. That God fought the greatest battle for all mankind. That means you and me, all of us. No matter where you've been, no matter where you've dropped the ball. He sent his son Jesus to overcome the enemy by defeating the very thing that has kept us down. Sin. See, sin isn't what you do. Sin is what we became and what we inherited from the very beginning of time when men fell. But Jesus Christ came to overcome the enemy and to set the record straight. And the record now says this, you are not guilty of sin because Jesus died and paid the penalty of death on the cross so that he could overcome sin. And he rose again to prove he's God, but to prove that you win. And so if you believe that with us today, say this with us, because we're praying this with you in confidence. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are my champion. I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. Paid the price for my sin. And you rose up again to prove that you win and that victory is mine. Today I declare... You are the Son of God. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, I win. I have a new life. I'm trusting in better results. And I'm following after you. Now, if you pray that we are celebrating the power of God at work in your life, Father, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We will see you again next Sunday. Thank you for worshiping with us. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.